with your host, Latrice Ferguson. Hi, everybody. Um, We are the Workplace Learning and Professional Development Team. I am Latrice. Thank you for joining in to our, I don't know, I think it's our fourth edition of our podcast, which is called Interruptions. The reason why we call it Interruptions has a lot to do with learning. And we believe that the learning happens during an introduction. So interruption. So when we think about that, there is a stimulus and there's a response. And between the stimulus and response, there's an interruption that can happen. And that's where we believe the magic happens, during that interruption. If you have the right tools, when that stimulus happens, before you respond, you employ those tools during the interruption, and there's magic that can happen. Love it. And so <clears throat> that's why we call our podcast Interruption. I feel like I introduce it differently every time, but... Okay. Interruption. It's an evolution. It is. So today I'm with my colleague Brian. Hello, this is Brian. Brian. Brian has been with us for we've four been weeks. debating it. I think it's four weeks. Is it four weeks or three I weeks? I think it's I think it's four weeks. I think it's three weeks. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere between three and four weeks. <laughs> but we're super excited to have him on the team to talk to us today. And I haven't told you what we're talking about because I want to keep you in suspense. We also have another guest, a very special guest who Um, spoke to us about the topic that we are talking about during Employee Learning Week on last year, and it was very, very well received. So we thought we would continue the discussion. And she is my dear friend, Vanessa. Hi. Vanessa, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yes. So my name is Vanessa Parker. I own a business called Pink Boss, where I help women that want to start a side hustle. They have a full-time job, but just don't want to navigate and take the hobby they have and make a little money from it. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. So <clears throat> today we are continuing our discussion on da, 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 <laughs> the imposter syndrome. So this is a very interesting topic to me. So before we dig in too deep, um, I'll let Vanessa sort of frame the discussion about what imposter syndrome is. I have a written definition, so I'm going to see how closely your frame matches what (laughs) the written definition says. Well, the imposter syndrome is actually coined by um, two doctors here in the Atlanta area and basically says that internally you feel like a fraud or feel like an imposter for any successes that you've achieved, um, you know, any accolades that you get, you don't fully accept the success as your own. Um, you look at it as luck or, you know, I'm at the right place at the right time, but nothing that your hard work and your dedication really got you to. So the imposter feeling like you're a fraud. Gotcha. Okay, that's pretty close to what Google, Mr. Google said. <laughs> <laughs> the imposter syndrome is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. Yes. So what made you interested in this topic, Vanessa? Um, I have been speaking for years, and I every time I would speak or prepare to speak, I would always prepare for that person that I thought at the end was going to stand up and say that everything I said was not right or combat something I wanted to say. Um, and it was a weird feeling. And I mentioned it to a girlfriend one time saying, hey, I always feel like a fraud or I feel like someone's going to jump out of a bush and say, aha, You have no idea what you're talking about. I thought that was weird. And when I said it to her, she said, I feel the same way. Mm. 
Then I had another opportunity where I had to speak, and um, I was going up against another person. We had to pitch ourselves mm. to speak. And the other person was a best-selling author, um, very well-known in the Atlanta area, and I really thought I wouldn't get it. Long story short, I got it over her. And immediately that feeling happened again. Why did they pick me? Is it a mistake? Did they really mean to, uh, did they really mean to give it to her and not me? Um, so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on what that was, and I discovered it was actually a term, which was the imposter syndrome. That's very interesting. So <clears throat> did you feel as if you were unprepared? Like, did you feel like something you were saying was incorrect or No. I mean, especially okay. on a topic that I know. I know that I know it. I've studied it. I, But it was just a feeling that I would have that someone either knew more than me or were gonna, they were going to say that I didn't know what I was talking about or... I didn't deserve to be on the stage. Like, mm-hmm. speaking comes natural to me. I mean, of course, there's some, always some skills I can learn, but I love to speak. It's something that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a fear of mine. But when other people would applaud me for or say, oh, my God, you did such a great job, I would, because it came second nature, I would be like, "Why you can do this, or why why me over someone else, or those kind of, those kind of feelings would come up. Yeah. Are there, is this something that, from your research or from what anybody has researched? <clears throat> Does it, is it something that stems from childhood? I mean, are we talking like, I'm a little kid, this is the way it is when I'm five years old, and it just, this is what it turns into as an adult? Yes, you've hit the ha- nail on the head. Um, a lot of the research has shown that a lot of it comes from childhood, and it's, mm. it's interesting because after I've been doing research, I'm trying to parent a little bit differently. Um, I was a kid who got straight A's. I was, you know wanted to be that kid and my parents my mom would always say something like um there's always someone smarter than you always work harder because there's always someone better than you you're not the best you got it you know and I was always chasing this Mm. award that I felt like I would never get right because I kept saying my mom kept saying and I understand where she was coming from um but that hindered me a lot of times. Because it was almost like a push to make you do better. Yes. But in fact, it actually had a negative effect, right? And mm-hmm. so a lot of um, a lot of the research that I've seen, a lot of it stems from childhood. So it's two, it's two different kids, right? It's one kid who excels at everything and doesn't understand, you know, why me? You know, they're, they're used to getting all these accolades, but their, their fellow playmate or friend is not getting that same stuff. Um, you know, like when kids get to middle school, they're, they're getting these A's and then you start falling off. You start seeing people having like average grades and things like, why can I achieve that? And, you know, I think it's really what I've discovered and even in my own parenting, because I have two different kids, you know, different kids on different spectrums. It's just it's interesting what our words and what we say to them matters. Yeah. And so I really think it does draw from your childhood it's interesting right because when last year when um we were approached with doing the topic i was like what because i have a different frame and a different background and a different upbringing right and so it it resonated with me that so many people on this campus one was interested in the topic because we had record numbers of turnout um, based on just we didn't put a description, mm-hmm. we didn't you know do anything beyond the imposter syndrome, and I think there was a tag, but I can't remember exactly quieting, what it was. I think it was like quieting the um, self doubt. Yeah, or quieting self doubt or something like that. And so when we were in the room, I was just off. I mean, I was awestruck by one. It was a room of about 75 people. 
And people were really sharing, like people from all aspects of life here at Tech. And And men. Yeah, and men too. So, which is very interesting as well. Because typically, first of all, men don't typically. Guys don't have to make the effort. It's already assumed that you're already good enough, smart enough, (laughs) qualified enough. Right. And then I started to think like, okay, have there been times in my life where I felt this imposter syndrome? And I think that I felt like, why me? But not, I'm not worthy. And so I'm wondering, does is imposter syndrome rooted in more the worth piece or the why me piece? I think it depends, right? I think uh, even, even in some of the research that I've read, um, there's some women who say, I've never dealt with that. You know, but I do be, I do think it comes from a confidence, you know, the already knowing their value, already knowing their worth. And a lot of women do not have that. So I do think that kind of stems from it. Um, it's just interesting because some of the women that I've when I do these talks, they'll say, well, that hasn't happened to me. But as you're starting to hear other people's dialogue, mm-hmm. other people's experiences, oh, yeah, that is something that happened to me. Right. Or I, there's a time that I shrunk right. when someone was saying, oh, my God, you're so amazing. You're great. You, right. And you shrink down and you don't even realize you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes women have come to me after a talk and said, you know what? I didn't think I had that mm-hmm. until we discussed it. Yeah, I it, it resonated with me when you you use several examples of famous people like I think Shonda Rhimes. I read yes. the Year of Yes, and it's all throughout that book. And Shonda Rhimes is amazing, right? That's She's not, done. I mean, a question. Yes. Right? <laughs> Some amazing things, right? But then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I haven't done anything big enough to feel like. I'm an imposter. Like, the stuff that I do, I do it. It's my zhush. I'm in my zone. I know what I'm doing. I feel confident about that. But I do get a little bit um, nervous or feel a little bit of trepidation when it's something really big. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I'm wondering if, like, I need to have an interruption in that moment to say, hey, like, if you are presented with this opportunity, you need to rock it out. You are worthy. You deserve it. You you know, should be here. And so, like you're saying, the more and more I dig into it and think about it, I don't think any, well, I don't know, this is probably a, a, a too broad of a statement, I don't think anybody's immune to it. Right, I don't no. think so. And the, the, the people who coined it is Dr. Imes and Dr. Clance. They coined in 1976 about the imposter phenomenon. 1976? 1976. Wow. Oh, wow. It was a study here. I think it was on Georgia State campus. It was 150 women that did it over a course of five years. Mm-hmm. The, um, they were white, middle-aged women that have gone through a Ph.D. program. Mm-hmm. And what they discovered, and I think the ages were 20 to 45, and what they discovered is that um, the higher you got up in success, right, the Ph.D. level. And someone said it when I was here at Tech, Mm -hmm. that as soon as she received her Ph.D., she did all that hard work. She found herself in a room of other professors thinking, they're going to find me out. They're going to find out that I'm not as experienced, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm young. I don't have the experiences they have, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And so that's what the um, that was the study that said, you know, the higher you go up like a Chandra Rhymes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another one was Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. She got an award and said, oh, my God. I can't really act. Mm-hmm. Surely she got home and said, surely I knew they were going to come to my house and take the award mm-hmm. and give it to Meryl Street. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that quote, I looked up Meryl Street and she had the same, same, same thing. thing. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not a great actress, mm-hmm. and I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. I'm not a great actress, and they're gonna find me out. Right. Like it's, an it's crazy. It's, crazy. it's it's crazy, but it makes sense. Yes. Because I feel like the world in some ways conditions us to feel like you're always supposed to be better, yes. bigger, get more, have be you know, as opposed to accepting what you have as a gift. And recognizing the work you did. Yeah. Like, you didn't just get on stage and start acting. Like, right. it was work. And see, that's the thing. I need to be more humble in my, I think, because I recognize my work. I'd be like, I work hard for this. No, I think and that's uh, amazing. <laughs> no, I think it's amazing. I think it's great that you are very, one thing I love about you, Aww. that you're very confident in knowing who you are and your worth. Um, there was a time I had to speak on stage with, I swear everyone was a millionaire but me. And... I was really I might be a little bit intimidated by that a little bit, too. And I'm standing on the stage. Don Lemons is the uh, moderator. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about business. Now, I know the topic. Mm -hmm. And it's startups. This is a topic I've studied and I've known for years. But on the stage, I'm looking around, and all these people have what I I think. They Mm -hmm. have millions of dollars. What I perceive, right? Mm -hmm. And... I put on my face, I get it, I rock it out, whatever. And after it's over, people were standing in line to actually ask questions. And I'm thinking... Of you? Of me. And and why are you coming to me? me? Like Can- all these other people. Yeah, Candy is here. She was on stage with me. I'm like, yeah. there, there, there's a line of people for her, too. But I'm like, <laughs> what? Right, y'all I'm right like, on her line. <laughs> like, surely you're not here for me. And right. I, I guess that, that, to me, again, going back to worth. Mm-hmm. I knew this information, but knowing that I was worthy enough to have a seat at the table, Mm -hmm. like I had a seat at the table and it's okay if my bank account doesn't match that. So let's take it to the workplace. Like how could this show up in in a workplace? I know for me, just simple things like performance reviews. Mm -hmm. So I have to put my performance review together. I need to put on my review, here are the things I accomplished this year. Mm -hmm. Here are the things I'm proud of. Here are the things that I did to better the business I work for, but I feel like I'm two to my own horn. So you feel like, well, I can't say that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put that out there oh, yeah. because yeah. it's my, now I'm boasting mm-hmm. about myself when I don't feel like that. I'm comfortable with that. Ooh, yeah. But back to childhood, right? Because your mom or somebody might've said, we don't brag. Mm-hmm. Right. No one likes and a you feel brag. like you're doing right. that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And see, my parents never said that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, They're like no, yeah, you better tell. I can, we can kind of tell, a, right? When you get an opportunity, this is what my mom said. When you get an opportunity, you shine. Like, you don't take it, like, Love it. shine. You might not get very many, so the one you get, you better rock it. Like that, and I yeah. tell Bethany that all the time. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, well, it could be a little, you know, <laughs> arrogant, don't try too much. Right? <laughs> Bring it down. Bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> but in the workplace, I think that's true because yes. um, when we think about performance management, like you're saying, Brian, typically when you do when you see self assessments, people rate themselves lower. Oh, wow. Absolutely, than what oh, absolutely. I, you're going yes. to actually rate them because yep. if if I were to put down, let's say it's a you know three scale rating and you know the top of the scale, if I put myself as well that one area. Oh, I'm the top. Well, then I feel like I'm bragging about myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to think, oh, well, my manager is going to come behind me and be like, I don't know what you're thinking All because right. you're not you're the top. Not you're the top. <laughs> right. But then what's crazy is they, your manager could feel Absolutely. like you are, are the, the top. top. Yeah. Yeah. That's so oh, that's so interesting. What else? What other? Because I'm thinking like for me, it's more about access. 
So meaning in the workplace, what I've seen is maybe it's not even a personal thing that I have put on myself, but maybe biases or other things that other people in the room have placed on you unconsciously. And so your voice is not as heard mm. or and so that just in some ways validates something that you might already have inside of you. Now, that's the thing, too. Something that's already something you already feel and someone might put that out there mm-hmm. and it makes you it makes it worse. Yeah. I can see so that it too. validates your yeah. own mm-hmm. self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Right. But that goes back to worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, does. I think at the core of it, it's mm-hmm. really worth. And how do you teach worth? At. This age, like right. you know, our job on campus is to professionally develop faculty and staff members here, and so we spend a lot of time talking about relationships and building trust and all of that. But how do you unteach worthlessness right. that came from when you were two te- years old? Right. I know. And teach worth. I, I think there's a couple of things. Um, one, the person has to be ready and willing to look at themselves in the mirror mm-hmm. and really accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And the good looking at, oh my gosh, there is a ton of good, you mm-hmm. know? So like writing those things out, you know, it's easy if I ask someone, what are the things you don't like about yourself? Oh my God, there's probably be a long mm-hmm. list, right? Absolutely. But what are the things that you're great at and that you are, you know, that you excel at? Writing those things down and looking at them and your, like you said, your accomplishments and looking at those. I think that's it. I think also the self-talk we say to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, that self-doubt comes from isolation. It comes from a place by yourself, what you think negative to yourself, you know, getting around other people that lift you up, that you can hear positive things and what the positive things you say to yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't think the imposter syndrome ever really goes away. I think you manage it. Mm-hmm. And how I've been able to manage it is when I hear it or I know that voice is coming, I can combat it by saying, I'm a rock star. Interruption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I am a rock star. I have a, um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Like, there's a <laughs> quote on my my board in my office, and it says, <laughs> you, it, I'll paraphrase it because it has some cuss words in it. But it <laughs> says that um, you're amazing. Don't forget it, pretty much. Right. It says it in a different way. But but I think you need to say that to yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know? But there are some places I'm not amazing. Okay, like what? I mean, I'm a work in progress. Some, like, there's some things I need to work on. But isn't that okay? Yeah, I think it's okay. Is that but okay? But overall. Overall, I'm amazing. I think that's the thing. Like, overall, I'm amazing. I may not be the greatest at this, and I can learn towards that, mm-hmm. right? But overall... I'm a rock star. Right. And I've got to, I got to truly believe that I can go to whatever class or workshop or whatever. But if I don't truly believe that, then I'm always going to deal with it. I think what happens to, this is not really a, a diversity conversation per se, but I think in some ways, like you can't see on the podcast, but Brian is a white man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I am an African-American woman, and Vanessa is a Filipino African-American, <laughs> African-American woman. woman. <laughs> right? So in some ways, I wonder, like, I am forced to edit myself in oh, yes. lots of circumstances, right? And so sometimes when you're forced to edit yourself, you can't be all of the you can't give them all the amazingness that you are they can't handle it they can't handle it define what do you define editing for you what are some of the things that you feel like you edit 
Oh my god. Uh-oh. I edit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I for me and I'll let Vanessa speak to this too because we have sort of complementary personalities I think but different. Um I edit I have to edit a lot of the things that I say. Um I have very strong opinions about just about everything and I care deeply about just about everything, right? And so in meetings or in... Um, and be too passionate. Right, it, because you become the angry black woman, right? And so I have to pull that back, particularly because I'm in a leadership role and I have to act on behalf of others. And so that's my interruption. When I want to hit them with all this awesomeness, I think to myself, my interruption is literally that I'm acting on behalf of seven other people. When... Um, I am in mommy mode, and I want to give them all this awesomeness. <laughs> I have to remind myself I'm editing myself because of the fact that I have a six-year-old daughter that I don't want to have repercussions because I did something or said something that someone may not have been ready to receive. So that's how I end up editing myself. And so then if you do that all the time in the workplace and you're surrounded by people who can't take the fullness of you, then eventually... You're like, okay, well, maybe I'm not that awesome. Right. Well, I'm not confrontational, I don't think. Mm-mm, but Not at all. Um, well, not at some, in some ways you are. But, but like at my job, mm-hmm. I work in IT, mm-hmm. um, very male-dominated. And if there's an issue, I'm coming to you about it. I don't think we should email it. If we're in the same office, I mm-hmm. can talk to you. And I have found that I have to take a step back. So maybe not editing, but take that step back mm-hmm. in how I approach it because mm-hmm. it automatically is a defense. It automatically is, you know, you have a ang- you're angry, you're upset about it. I'm like, I'm not upset. This mm-hmm. is not even upset voice. You, mm-hmm. you haven't heard the upset voice, right? you know? So I have learned over the years, and if I want to get my point across or something, you know, that I have to take that step back. Um, going back to childhood, though, the, I think the pressure of being an African-American woman, um, my dad saying to me, you have to work harder mm-hmm, than everybody than else. everyone else in the room. Mm-hmm. You will not get the opportunity. You will not blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. So you have to be the best. You have to dress a certain way. P- the first impression, you can't show up to a place looking any kind of way. Like even in the job IT I work in, you can wear flip-flops and, and khakis. When I go to work, I'm dressed up because in my mind, it's my first impression, what people look at me. And those things have been ingrained since I was a child. Mm. And you're almost having to do that as part of the I've got to prove myself because I'm not as good. So I've got to prove myself by the way I speak, what I wear, editing what I say. Do you experience any of that ever, Brian? (laughs) I knew she was going to throw that out. (laughs) You knew it was coming. Um, I definitely think there's been times in my work life that I haven't brought my whole self to work. Mm. Um, Whether it's being a gay man Mm -hmm. or... I don't know. That's probably the best I could... I mean, I'm sure I can dig deeper, but there's been times where I feel like I haven't been able to or maybe not even been able to. I chose not to do it. Because... Mm -hmm. If I share this piece of my life with certain people, it may be perceived as I'm less than, I'm not as good as, or or be judged. Right. So I've certainly mm-hmm. not brought my whole self to different places. Yeah. So that's very interesting. It almost feels like the opposite of imposter syndrome in some ways. Do you know what I mean? So this is what I'm noodling on in my head. So if society is 
causing you to pull back or sending you signals that it may not be a good idea to bring your whole self to work to are they is it like what is that i I feel like there's something else underneath that i don't know i mean it definitely helps feed into the idea that you're not worthy i'm not good enough yeah Mm -hmm. i think it over if i'm so worried about what i'm saying and how i look and how people perceive me i think that you do kind of um don't recognize your own worth, right? Don't recognize your own successes because I, I, I got to keep drawing back. Mm-hmm. So I think I can see where you're going with that. Hmm. I, I'm not quite sure what that's called. I don't or, know. Um, it's interesting. But it almost, t- and I'm thinking maybe where you were going earlier too, when you, when you don't allow yourself to be fully who you are, say in a meeting, then you're not able to prove, well, I am. Look at, look at the ideas I could bring to the table. So I may pull back and not say or do something that I sh- really should have. And that imposter is different, like you just said, right? Because now I'm being a representative. I'm not being Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm being a quiet representative of myself, and I'm not being my full mm-hmm. self. I was reading somewhere it said imposter syndrome or a reminder that you don't belong, mm-hmm. which is deep, right? Mm-hmm. Because, that going back to worth. Yeah. I don't have a seat at the table. I shouldn't be here. And not only self-worth, but what other people deem yeah. is worthy. Right. There are times I have a teammate who I call the softest out of me. I can say the he, he happens to be a white man. I can say we can be in a meeting. I can say the exact same thing that. Well, typically what happens is I articulate it first. It's not doesn't her, resonate. With it doesn't resonate. So then he says it and it's like, oh, <laughs> I just said that. Like, hello. (laughs) The amazingness comes from (laughs) here. (laughs) But I think a lot of people deal with that. A lot of people on a college campus that's high performing, um, as Georgia Tech is, I can see you walk into a room and feel like, oh my God, these people are so much smarter than me. It's intimidating. What in the world? Like when we do trainings and stuff for faculty members, we're like sure that we have researched and studies and things to back up, to back up, to back up. When normally my antidotal knowledge about something is good enough. But in certain circles, you need to be, like, overly prepared and things like that. So I can definitely see how and why that topic resonated so much with um, with people here on campus. But I want to leave the people with something. So we started down a path, Vanessa, and you talked about just reminding yourself that you are awesome. Um, and I don't know, do you mean literally like a mantra or is it? Yes, a mantra. Um, affirmations really work. I know sometimes people think, you know, speaking to myself is kind of corny, but affirmations work. A mantra for yourself, having it up if you're visual, having it up somewhere that you remind yourself. Um, I even tell people to make an anti-fraud kit. Make mm-hmm. a kit of things that you need. So in my kit, I have affirmation cards. I have a little bitty note card, index card that has some of my accomplishments just so I can remind myself. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's music, right? There's some songs and things that get you pumped, pumped up. and excited. Good old Beyonce, girls rule mm-hmm. kind of song. Girls, right? we run this by that. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, one, again, knowing who you are and what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a particular dress that I wear when I know I want to be like 
on and popping. I just feel more confident yes. um, when I do that. So that's something. I have a girlfriend who is, um, she's a president of a chamber of commerce. And she, when she goes to a board meeting or to a meeting that she knows she needs to be on it, she wears red lipstick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we always joke about this red lipstick movement, right? Mm-hmm. And that's her thing. That's my power thing for her. Mm-hmm. And I think you just got to know yourself and what that is for you. Um, but and it could just be one thing that you do. Mm-hmm. What about managers that are listening to this? Because I really feel like the job and what I'm trying to to try to lead on campus is this culture shift around um, managing people is more than just approving timesheets and making sure they're in the seat that they're supposed to be in, right? It's really to lift people up. And so what are some things or can you guys think of some things that a manager could do if he or she sees someone paralyzed by or even not even paralyzed by maybe just dabbing their little pinky toe into this whole imposter syndrome world like what are some things that other people could do to help snap you out of it um i think you know praising not just or not just talking to someone if there's a bad review or if there's something wrong you know getting to know the people i think that's one thing as a manager that is overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Really getting to know someone's background, who they are, that gives you an idea or a peek inside how they're gonna, their personality is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's a person who you know, needs that accolade, that needs that push, mm-hmm. do it when it's not needed. Do oh, okay. it when it's not, you know, a big company thing. And I no, say something to them. Mm-hmm. You did a great job on this. I think that's important. And for some people, that's more impactful than being in a room full of people right. and getting some sort of physical award. Some people don't like that. Some people don't like it. I would rather have a one on you know why some people mm-hmm. would rather have a one on one in a closed door. Mm-hmm. Is that what meeting. you prefer so I Because you know you're only Me, two I do in. I like to be in front of a written. <laughs> I was okay. writing this down. <laughs> Write this down. Um, but I think I've worked for two different or multiple styles of managers, but I've worked for some who the focus is the day to day. What do mm-hmm. I need you to get done? Let's get it done. And I've worked for managers who have really embraced the idea of I'm here to help you get to your next mm. role, whether it's here, somewhere else, taking my job, whatever the case may be. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily, a lot of managers don't necessarily focus on that. Yeah. So is it finding uh, stretch projects? Mm-hmm. Is it having those one-on-one conversations where I'm giving you great feedback about what you're doing? Mm-hmm. It's not a big accolade. It's not a big thing. But just setting up that sort of relationship where I'm here to help you as my one of my teammates, one of my associates, one of my employees, I'm here to help you get to that next place, whatever that place may be. It may not even be that I want to move to another job. Yeah. It may be, can I take on additional responsibilities? Can I take on additional roles? Yeah. One of the most rewarding things that has happened to me in the time that I've been here at Georgia Tech is I'm a pusher as a manager. Like I try to push people outside of their comfort zone. And sometimes that is well received and other times it's not. And one of my colleagues um, recently actually gave me a book. And in the book, it was the the book was called Mindsets. And in the book, um, this person wrote that um, after reading this book, I realized that you were pushing me towards a growth mindset. And I've always had a fixed mindset. Reading this book has helped me to see that and appreciate you for what it is that you do. And that was like... I mean, tear jerking for me because I felt like there's a challenge with that relationship. But I had the best interest at heart, but I didn't know how to like 
I just kept doing what I was doing and hoped that and luckily in that situation it turned out well. So I encourage managers to to just continue to push people because sometimes they don't even see in themselves the abilities that you're able to see. Now there's a of course there's a, a balance in it and I think some of that can be Um, attributed to the imposter syndrome. Like, they just don't see the greatness that you can see in them. Um, The other thing that in a previous podcast, um, Melanie DeMantis from um, the Women's Center, she talked about how um, in uh, certain rooms, so, like, if I say something and I, you, Brian, notice that it's not being heard or it's not received in the room, then you can restate what it is that I've said and say as Latrice was saying mm-hmm. so you know help to build build that. that as opposed you know to just build people up um, in those situations so I thought those were two good tips as well yeah, those are great um, what else for for managers is there anything else it's really just caring. At the end of the day, it's really just knowing really? people and don't get so caught up in the, oh, we got to get the work done, we got to get the work done. Of course we have to get the work done. But how much more pleasant is it to get the work done when you're getting the best out of your people? People feel like you care about right. them um, personally, um, challenging them directly, because a lot of times people don't think that if you challenge someone directly, you care personally. And there's another podcast that we did on Radical Candor that talks about how to do that. Um, so you should go listen to that one if you hadn't. I think that's important, right? Like, I I can't just challenge you and mm-hmm. keep pushing you if I don't show you that I care. Yep. Right. That's what not going to perceive well at all. At I don't all. care what kind of employee yep. I am. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, if I don't feel like you actually care about my well-being yep. or my, you know, how I want to move up and my career goals, then this challenge you're giving me, I think yeah, you're whatever. BSing me. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And really laying out what it what the goal is. Yeah. Why are you, why are you pushing me to do right. this or why are you challenging? Why are you giving me this responsibility? That I, you know, in some cases, maybe I didn't ask for. Right. But from the manager's perspective, I can see in you that you have the ability to do more mm-hmm. or to go beyond. So let's have that conversation mm-hmm. and discuss why we're doing this. Let's focus on this. Let's see where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's paramount. Like that to me is a quintessential great manager that is pushing somebody beyond what they even think they're capable of. And when you have that, it's so rewarding. And it helps, I think, to quiet the imposter syndrome a bit. Because, okay, I'm going to try it. I tried it. It worked out. Okay. At the same time, you're using Vanessa's tools about I'm awesome. I'm, You know, you got somebody pushing you on this side. You are having interruptions when you feel, you know, not worthy or whatever on the other side. So at some point... You know, like you said, it doesn't ever go away, but you're able manage to it. manage it, which I think is is. And phenomenal. you have an advocate. You have someone who's got your back. Self-doubt and all those things thrive in isolation. Mm. It thrives when you're by yourself. It thrives when you're talking to yourself. It thri- Those are itself. It's all mm. internal. When you share those insecurities, those things that you have, and someone can come back and say, that's not how I perceive you at all. You mm-hmm. are amazing. That's why those... Um, personality reviews I do mm-hmm. um, and then it's like the 360 I don't mm-hmm. know what it's called but yeah. your other people give you it's right. amazing because you're like 
oh, wow, I didn't even know I was that great. You know, just having that advocate, having someone who can give that positive yeah. feedback to you. That's 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 key. Right. Because when you feel that way, typically you do isolate. I'm not telling nobody else that I feel like I'm not worthy. What in the world? Who wants to say that out loud? No. When I left my last position and I was going around saying goodbye to people, there were people that cried. I'm like, I had no idea Mm. that I had any sort of impact. Like, I'm like this. I'm, I'm bored. I'm not growing. I need to move on. I'm not, you know, whatever. And there's people who are like upset. I'm like, I had no idea that you y'all thought I was so a rock star. Right. That this was a, that right. I, you didn't y'all even know y'all were gonna miss me. <laughs> Indeed. So as we round out and close out this podcast, are there any final words that either you, Brian, or you, Vanessa, would like to leave with the people? Just recognizing it. You know, I think this is a discussion that has to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm writing a book about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I she think, put it out there. In the I know. Mm-hmm. It's a discussion that has to happen, right? Because if you don't feel it, you have a friend who feels it. Your daughter may feel it. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to recognize that you have the imposter syndrome or some self-doubt. And then there are tools out there to help you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where this, we start. Awesome. And I think really just more as a recap, just as an individual, recognizing, to your point, recognizing where the where, when that comes into play for you um, and giving yourself that space to say, no, I do, I do good things. And then from a manager perspective or a leader perspective, um, looking for those opportunities to put out there that, yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are good. Yes, I can see more for you. Um, let's make that happen for you. I, I want to be an advocate for you. Awesome. Remember, there's a stimulus and there's a response. And we have just given you some tools to interrupt imposter syndrome. Thank you for listening. Yeah! Awesome! Uh, 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 uh. We the best, we the best. Uh, 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 uh. Are you going to edit that? And, uh, <laughs> and he said hit, what did he say? Hit stop.